It's July 30th, 1997, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that a roster of celebrity guests, including names like Helen Mirren, Vivian Westwood, Harry Enfield, Eddie Izzard, and famous rock and roll bad boy Noel Gallagher, turned up on the doorstep of number 10 for Tony Blair's notorious Cool Britannia party. Uh, This was two months after... Blair's Labour Party had unseated John Major's Conservatives in a landslide and it was supposed to mark this whole new era. The Tories had been in power for almost 20 years before. They'd got quite grey and old and stale uh, and then New Labour was basically like New Coke proved actually quite unpopular in the end. Uh, (laughs) But the idea was that forget about men in flat caps working in big factories with sparks everywhere. The New (laughs) Labour is going to be all about culture and coolness and we're friends with artists and musicians and that's what Britain's going to be about cool soft topics and maybe a little bit of financial banking on the side in the city and so this cool Britannia party was supposed to be celebrating this lovely union between all of the great British culture and Tony Blair's new administration and with that introduction Rebecca you've summarised the entire episode Beautiful. no need to listen to it yeah. we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> like the cast who turned up to the party were the people who were sort of regarded as being this 90s version of the swinging 60s that they you know that they were the the cool musicians and they were the you know the Richard Curtises and the Danny Boyles and the Spice Girls and you know there was sort of everything was wrapped up in this package of what Britain could be post Thatcher and it's sort of you could understand why Alistair Campbell may have had in mind that somehow piggybacking on that particular new version of cool would do wonders for the incoming Blair regime. Well, and Noel Gallagher afterwards, you know, he came under fire and he said at the time, you know, oh, of course I, of course I accepted the invitation, you know, I'm just a, you know, he sort of played that I'm just a working class lad and my mum would have killed me if I didn't go, that kind <laughs> of thing. And he also, you know, he's tried to sort of make it seem punkier in retrospect. He claimed that he snorted coke in the Queen's lavatory in number 10, but he can't help but think that maybe he made that up later. <laughs> I think Noel Gallagher caught a lot of the flack because the defining photograph of the night was the the shot of Tony Blair sort of chuckling away with Noel Gallagher and Damien Hurst is in the background but apparently Noel Gallagher since said he was asking why there was no beer because quote I f***ing hate champagne <laughs> do you know it still sounds like a, a party that I'd quite like to have been at like yeah no surprise you'd totally fit in wouldn't you oh you'd be brown nosing your way around that whole room I don't know how to take that <laughs> but I mean like there's fun people oh, you wouldn't be asking about the beer would you <laughs> Quaffing champagne in the corner with Lenny Henry. <laughs> and although in retrospect, I think the whole idea comes off as a bit cringy, because I do think that Tony Blair, although... I don't know if the average person thought he was super cool necessarily, but he had some kind of, you know, he used to be in a band. He'd had long hair when he was younger. He was very different from the Thatcher and the, especially John Major. He was, you know, famously quite grey. But looking back now, it does seem weird that a politician would be perceived as cool. And in fact, mm. in 2014, David Cameron tried to throw a party that was kind of 
it's widely seen as being his attempt to do Cool Britannia. But mm. a lot of celebrities declined to go. Mm. And those in attendance were not exactly punk legends. The the big names are Michael McIntyre, Cilla Black, Bruce Forsyth. And multiple guests explicitly declined to back the Conservatives when they were asked by the press. You know, they mm. said, I'll go, but don't think I'm going to be voting Tory. So it was a very different affair to, you know, not to say that the Blair one was very cool, but there was a difference. There were certainly some guests who were pleased to be there and who mm. believed in the whole new Labour project. Yeah, but it was a marker of David Cameron's moderate success in that sense that anyone was prepared to go to his party. I mean, that's the the point about this original Cool Britannia was that no one would have gone to Thatcher's party or John Major's party in the world of mm. arts and culture. Literally everyone made a public thing of hating the Tories. It was just what you did. Mm. You know, whether you're talking about David Hare writing plays at the National Theatre or Damon Alburn on top of the Pops. The idea that, you know, any Conservative Prime Minister could get anyone remotely cool to come to their party would have seemed just absolutely impossible. Whereas at least by Cameron's mm. era, you know, it was like, yeah, you're not going to get Chumbawamba there, but you are going to get Brucey. Weirdly enough, it's John Major who apparently has the credit for popularising the phrase Cool Britannia. People had obviously used it before because it's just an obvious play on words. But uh, apparently he mentioned it in November 1996. This party took place in 1997. And by 1998, The Economist could complain that we were all thoroughly sick of hearing the phrase Cool Britannia. Hmm. And the NME in the same year published a 12-page denunciation of New Labour with the headline, Ever Had the Feeling You've Been Cheated. So this really was maximum 18 months before everyone was sick to the back teeth of hearing about it. So actually, Blair timed the party pretty well. It's a really fun fact, isn't it, that the Tories, in their absolute death spiral coined the phrase Cool Britannia in a political context um, because it's one that if it happened now would be all over Twitter and we'd all know that wouldn't we if a new Labour government came in now Mm. and they used a phrase that had been invented by Jeremy Hunt it would all be absolutely attributed at source but the point was all of the press were on Team New Labour at this point there was no one who really wanted Blair to fail he was the youngest Prime Minister we'd had since 1812 there was this kind of cool rock and roll vibe even the Conservatives admitted Mm. they'd been in power a bit long and it was a bit stale and embarrassing so there was no one to point this out but yes the, the, the phrase Cool Britannia was in a press release issued by the Department of National Heritage then led by Virginia Bottomley <laughs> in 1996 <laughs> uh, in which it said London is universally recognised as a centre of style and innovation our fashion, music and culture are the envy of our European neighbours this abundance of talent together with our rich heritage makes Cool Britannia an obvious choice for visitors from all over the world mm. not my words Virginia Bottomley and that is now attributed <laughs> so firmly to the new Labour movement. It's kind of fascinating, isn't it, how it got twisted? It did strike me that there was something so nationalist about the whole Cool Britannia thing. It was Union Jacks. It was, you know, Britain does this better Mm. than everyone else. And I think also, crucially, it's the Britain aspect, isn't it? This is a time, like, I was was six at this time, but this is the time, I think, when I remember the idea of having a British identity Mm. really started taking force rather than being English or Welsh or whatever because those were kind of seen as being implicitly exclusionary to people who didn't have the you know their ancestral roots in those countries this is really it's like it's a less toxic version of colonialism but it's coming from that same perspective of we're better than everyone else but we include you know black and brown people in that now but we're still better than europeans i mean it's funny that you do have these sort of political pop celebrity alliances still with the kind of donald trump and kanye west or jay-z and barack obama or even like this new sort of 
friendship of Steven Seagal and Vladimir Putin. <laughs> like, it's, it's weird that people didn't look at the cool Britannia party and just go, no, no more of that kind of thing. It doesn't work. No one benefits from it. Let's just not be friends. It certainly hasn't with Kanye West and Donald Trump. And you can't imagine who it would work with. Apparently, we've got Tony Blair to thank for this awful practice that we all loathe and despise of politicians being made to tell us all their favourite bands. Which makes sense, because when I think about it, I'm sure nobody <laughs> ever asked Margaret Thatcher or John Major who their favourite bands were. I think it's quite a useful question, actually. I don't think it is a flippant mm. question to ask the, the person who wants to be Prime Minister what their musical taste is. I think it's a way that people can relate to them, and I don't see why it has to be something that needs to be obfuscated. What's damaging about it is when someone who clearly doesn't listen to music at all and only sort of voraciously consumes Radio 4, or someone who is you know, a fan of Wagner and the Beatles but hasn't engaged with pop music at all, then pretends that they like pop music. That's when it's problematic. I think if they were just honest about it and said, oh, I really like listening to Holst, that would be fine. And the public can see through it, which is why it's a useful question. And I remember um, Gordon Brown pretending to like the Arctic Monkeys, and that was absolutely excruciating. Um, (laughs) Clearly, that's just not his world, is it? Like, he obviously, for fun, would, like, read like old copies of the bible that's what he would do for fun um and he should have just been honest about it i mean i remember david cameron saying that he liked first aid kit which did strike me as an absolutely authentic um you know choice from him but then as a result i think uh, they had trouble selling some of their gigs but he also he i mean he fell foul of that same thing by um losing track of which football team he pretended he'd been a fan of (laughs) oh yeah and to be fair meg matthews who was married to noel gallagher at the time did say that when she went nosing around downing street presumably whilst her husband was sniffing coke off the queen's (laughs) jacksey or whatever um she noticed (laughs) that tony and sheree had an oasis disc hanging in their actual kitchen like not their ceremonial kitchen but you know where they lived so I think he probably actually was. A, I mean, yeah, everyone yeah. was an Oasis fan in 1997, weren't they? So that probably Unless Alistair Campbell made a quick beeline down to the actual kitchen before <laughs> they did their poking around. And put this velvet cushion out. Yeah. Tell him it's the Queen's <laughs> toilet. It'll make a great anecdote. <laughs> Next time. In the early 12th century was killed after accidentally pricking himself with poison arrows. I mean, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors part of the ACAST Creator Network.